0: Please turn your Bibles tonight to the 85th Psalm. I've preached from the Psalms a lot lately. I have preached over 120 of them at the Villas Ministry. And um, to go back here tonight to the 85th, I, I obviously brought a message on it at the Villas one time. It might have been before before we departed over there for a couple of years due to illness and virus, uh, but I didn't look back at the message. Uh, I know it's not going to contradict anything we share tonight, but I can't tell you how I arranged that one. This one's completely different, and, and I had a plan of just trying to pick up, oh, I guess I picked up in about 137 and, and wanted to go through the end of the... The book, And so I would be in 141 tonight, but we have dropped back to 85 for just a few reasons this evening. Number one, uh, I'm in the Psalms because they're very encouraging for the people of God. Uh, number two, the 141st Psalm has similarities to the 140th. So I thought I'd give you a space of another week before going into that one. And number three... I believe it might be safe to say that we are being revived in the church. And God was blessing before, but He's blessing in such an amazing way now that I believe there are changes not only obviously happening in lives being saved, but things going on in the lives of the saved and, and we're thankful for everything the Lord is doing. And and so when you think of the 85th Psalm, you might think of the beginning of verse 6 there being a, a landmark, if you will, a foundation for this psalm. Wilt thou not revive us? We, I, I think of this psalm as the psalm of, of revival. And so we're going to take a look at that tonight as as we are being revived in the church. And again, maybe the biggest part of that, or the initiating of that, is the way God has moved through the lives of young people. And He has saved young people. But, but not only that, the saved young people are really at work in their friends' lives, in the lives of others in the church. And to baptize the number that we did this morning, what a what a great joy that was. I, I can't stop thinking about this. I, I just can't get over it. I, I can't stop thinking about Thursday night the twenty-seventh from from nine PM into Friday morning about two A.M. Um it's exciting. But and, and as it's wonderful to to keep looking back at that. We don't want to just do that. We want to keep it up. We want to keep living in and having moments like we had at camp. God can do it again, over and over. To have God at work in our lives, that's what we desire. That's That's one way I want to to convey what this word revive means. To have God at work in our lives. How does the song go? Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. We need that. And we find in this psalm tonight, a desire from Israel to be revived after what may have been, according to the timeline, it may have probably been a 70-year captivity that took place uh, concerning the Babylonians. Three times there's an emphasis in this psalm on their land as though Israel is coming back into their land. In verses 3-5, through 5, we would read of the anger of God, God's anger with Israel's straying from Him, and their idolatry in their lives. They had not obeyed the Lord. They had slipped. They had fallen. But we understand here that they desired, well... A new start. I I don't like that phrase best, but that's kind of what's going on. Someone said that the Christian life is full of new starts. and, And I understand what is meant by that in a way. I can relate to that in a lot of ways. You know, some people like to announce that they are rededicating their life to Jesus Christ. And we can't say there's not some good in what they mean by that. But the most important thing about being revived is turning to the Lord, turning away from disobedience, giving Him praise with a grateful heart, requesting an empowering work in our lives by the life of God dwelling inside us and walking in it confidently and walking in it assuredly. Let's break down this psalm. You're right, Seth. I kind of break it down in three, three points sometimes, like you were saying the other night. But we're going to look at returning thanks, requesting a reviving, and receiving reassurance. And all of this has to do with revival that was going on in the hearts of the people of Israel. So let's look at verses one through three at returning thanks. It says, "Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin, Selah. Thou hast taken away." All thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Again, given the probable time frame here for Israel, you know, the the Babylonians had invaded their land, caused ruin to the city and to the temple. Israel was taken captive. Israel was warned over and over by the prophets. Not to break god 's covenants there 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 were unconditional covenants, and there were conditional covenants and they were warned not to break god 's covenant, but they wouldn 't listen but even though they suffered the consequences god God controlled it in a sense he was He was putting on them just enough to get their attention to turn them back to him. He provided protection for them, they ended up being able to come back into their land and the Lord forgave Israel. He forgave them of their sins. He forgave them for their idolatry. He provided for them the opportunity, the chance after chance after chance to come back home in their heart in fellowship with the Lord, if you will. To obey him and to be used by him for the things that would bring him glory, to show that they were his people, to be able to live as his people. And they returned thanks to the Lord for this. They gave God praise and they gave him thanksgiving for his long suffering and his pardon, something that would. Uh, speak of that a little more in Isaiah chapter forty verses one and two. It says, "Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people," saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins, turning to the Lord in repentance. This is not something that we demand the right to do. It's not something that we deserve to do. Some would act as though they're demanding grace from another. That's not something that we deserve. It is something we're grateful for from the Lord. He has grace for us. He gives us what we don't deserve. He has mercy for His people. He doesn't give us what we do deserve. He has love for His people. And Israel was grateful for this. They were grateful for the pardon. They were grateful for the forgiveness. Because when we turn back to Him, He turns to us. When we turn to the Lord, you know what he does? When we turn to him from the things that we've been involved in, you know what he does? He forgives us and he restores us. He puts us in the place to be able to live for him and to serve for serve him. We not only see a returning with thanks tonight though with Israel, but here's a request of reviving in their lives. Look at verses 4 through 7. Turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause Thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt Thou be angry with us forever? Wilt Thou draw out Thine anger to all generations? Wilt Thou not revive us again, that Thy people may rejoice in Thee? Show us Thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us Thy salvation. It's one thing that the nation of Israel had the chance, had the blessing and opportunity to turn back to the Lord, to be forgiven, to be restored. It's another thing for there to be a change in individual lives. Just because this was an event with the nation doesn't mean every individual had truly experienced repentance in their heart and turning back to the Lord. Verses 1-3 through three gave us a, a song of praise, a song of thanksgiving, possibly by a choir it started. We don't have... Uh, We don't have something specific, but a general praise for what God had done for Israel. Now the song looks to get more specific in in verses 4 through 7. Look at it there, and, and, and you'll see that it looks like a prayer from the hearts of the people. A prayer from Israel as this is Israel saying this. This is Israel singing this. Notice how many times you find the word us in verses 4 through 7. You're going to find it six times there. And these words wouldn't be expected to be from the song leader uh, of the choir, if you will. These words were given as the prayers of the people. And the prayer of Israel is, "'Turn us.'" They had gone to the world. They had experienced these other dead gods in idolatry. And they had ventured away. And it all comes around to them now saying and praying, Turn us. You know, they they turned back to the Lord. Many turn away. Many run away as though geography will help. Many try to turn over a new leaf on their own. Many try in their own determination to do better or to make something else work. But Israel humbly looks to the Lord. They turn to Him. To be turned by Him. They're looking for His power to restore Him. That the chastening would end and they could start fresh again that is their desire and 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 even have the consequences Please, Lord, not fall on our family. Not fall on our kids. Not fall on our grandkids. That's what you find at the end of verse 5 when it says, Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations that, it would, that, that our sins would pass on to, to, our, to our grandkids and to our greats? And then in the beginning of verse 6, the request for reviving. Wilt thou not... Revive us again. What a great word. What a great thing for you and I to have on our hearts. You know, the prayer of many Christians is that they would never lose desire. To to not take it for granted or, or assume that that's us being so excited about the Lord, but what the Lord does within us that makes us excited about Him. Their prayer is turn us. They humbly turn to the Lord. They ask, they ask, "Wilt thou not revive us again that thy, that thy people may rejoice in thee? I love to rejoice in the Lord we shouldn't take it for granted when we're able to rejoice in the Lord it's because he has made us a new creature and he lives inside us that we're able to rejoice in the Lord we find that we rejoice in the Lord when our lives are in his will it is good to live in the will of God. It is good to obey God and to be able to rejoice. Israel had been there before. Israel had gone out in a stray. And they wanted what the Lord had for them now. They wanted to be revived again. Many have changed this word revive in this day and time to think of many Christians today Think of the word revive and immediately connect that with a scheduled by man revival meeting that we might have and and bring in preachers and have a week or two of revival. And I'm not saying that good things can't happen if we did something like that. I'm not I'm not saying anything wrong about those meetings, but but For man to schedule a meeting, that doesn't mean that we are going to be revived. Revived, The word "revive" does not mean a special evangelistic gathering for lost souls to be saved. That sounds good, And, and you can gather and lost souls can be saved, or the people of God might be lifted up. But revive has to do with the life of God inside the life of a believer and living through us. There is a desperate request that Israel is giving here to have the life of God at work within their lives. A reviving in our lives, it cannot be manufactured by man. It can't be by you and I getting as busy as we can, trying to do as many things as we can for that to happen. It can't come by any natural means. It can't happen by a meeting. It is only the work of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives that we might be Be revived. A very familiar verse from Zechariah 4, 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by My Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The power of the Holy Spirit is beyond any natural means, any natural fortitude or determination that anyone can have our service to the Lord, our life lived for the Lord has to be Spirit-empowered for that to happen. And that is what they are desiring by the request that they might be revived. In Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 through 9, might might speak of the level of the power and help us understand the power of the Spirit of the Lord reviving you and I. Let let me start in verse 5. According to the word that I covenanted with you when ye came out of Egypt, so my Spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens." and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts, the glory of this latter house shall be greater. Than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord gives us everything we have and everything we need in our lives as His children. And so we see the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God in those words, the requests for reviving by Israel, it was according, it was with an aim to this power of God that He would revive them. Any other avenue, any other attempt to, to strengthen, to make greater our Christian lives, it is going to, it is going to end and, and fall up short. It is not revive. It is not, I'm trying to keep from saying the word revival because I would love to separate revive from revival in, in the way people mean it today. But it's not our lives being revived if it's not empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. When the Holy Spirit does a restoring work in a child of God, there, there is no mistake about it. When God the Holy Spirit is working through our lives, it is no accident, it is no question as to what is happening in our lives. And that takes us to our next point on receiving reassurance. Verse 8, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For He will speak peace unto His people and to His saints. But let them not turn again to folly... Surely His salvation is nigh them that fear Him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before Him, and shall set us in the way of His steps. How sweet. I I can't think of any better condition for our lives to be in than to be revived by the Lord and to be reassured of a work that God is doing. That started out, I will hear what the Lord will speak Oh, how important it is to be silent at times, and to listen to the word of God, to listen to God speak to us through His, through His word. We see so many reassuring phrases through these rich verses of eight through thirteen. To speak peace unto His people. Salvation is nigh them. Glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. The Lord shall give that which is good. Verse 13, Righteousness shall go before Him and shall set us in the way of His steps. You know, the Bible says in the 34th Psalm, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And that word taste means experience. The experience of the Lord in our lives, it is so good. People really think they're having a a lot of fun in the world and the amusement that this world has to offer. But... There's no experience like the experience of the Lord God in our lives. It is good to be in the will of God. It is great to be there. And it is miserable to be anywhere else. There is the experience of peace in the will of God. Again, when Israel had gone astray, when they were astray, the Lord says to them, in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you and expect it in. So while Israel was astray, the Lord says, I have the very best for your life. And not only that, He is able to give us the very best for our lives. A power to live within us, to overcome all of those things that would hurt us. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Experience the Lord in your life. It's a constant experience that God wants for us and He is able to give us. He sets us apart for Him and He has set us apart for His work. He he calls us saints here. He calls Israel saints here. And that would speak of of a setting apart that the Lord has planned for His people. Israel had their share of their times of turning away and turning to idols. And God chastened them over and over. He used different people groups. And He let people groups that were not His have the victory over His people to show them to teach them that they need to turn back to Him, to weaken them to such a place that they would come back to the Lord. We, we can read about a lot of those experiences in the book of Judges. You know, it's in the book of Judges where the sword of the Lord and Gideon and those 300 defeated the Midianites. You know, when you go beyond that amazing victory that God gave His people, you find not much later that they had turned back to idols again. They had burnt, melted these golden ephods and they had used those things and they had made idols out of them and started worshiping idols again. But, but they would return back to the Lord. They they had leaders who wouldn't receive wise counsel and others who manufactured their own man-made religion leading Israel astray from true religion. You know, we find a duty of ours in verse 9. And that is to fear God and to glorify Him. It says, Surely His salvation is nigh them that fear Him, that glory may dwell in our land. That, that is a duty of the people of God. That we fear Him. And that we glorify Him. And, and when we're not doing that. We need to be revived. When we are not growing. We need to be revived. You know the Lord is always with us. He abides with us. He, he's here to stay with us. But it's another thing. When he's dwelling with us, picture it like this the Lord is with us and he stays with us. When when we are not as we should be, imagine someone coming in your house and being very uncomfortable and sitting right on the edge of that couch and they won't move or do anything at all. I knew a woman that loved her china cabinet so much, there's no way I would go near that thing to bump it. I, I can be clumsy. And i and, and, and I all I did was go and sit there. I was abiding, I was there, but then there 's other people 's homes that I go to and and i 'll just kick back on the couch and even put my feet up and forget to take my shoes off i 'm dwelling there. the Lord wants to dwell in the lives of his people Israel desired that they be revived and the Lord would dwell in their lives. There was a present reassurance for Israel in turning back to the Lord to be revived. But there was a future assurance for Israel in God's will. I'm going to read verses 10 through 13, as to what Israel had to look forward to in turning back to the Lord and being restored by the Lord, it says, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall "...spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before Him, and shall set us in the way of His steps." Instead, you know, there, there's always a warfare going on. But instead of a, of a self-inflicted warfare that might be taking place for Israel, and being defeated by other people groups while they're astray, there would be righteousness and peace. The, the experience of God's righteousness. In and the, and the armor of God, it's likened unto a breastplate of righteousness. And they would have the peace of God. When a person believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, they have peace with God. When we walk in the ways of the Lord, we're experiencing the peace of God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep... That that means to guard, to put a garrison around. Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. They would have this experience in being turned back to the Lord. They would have this assurance in their lives righteousness to live in the righteousness of God that's that's the perfection of God that's something only he can give I've said this many times before and I'll say it again because it got my attention so much in the beginning when when someone told me you have to be as good as God to get to heaven and that is true in a sense because he gives us his righteousness when we are saved he gives us the the perfect standard we need to be able to get to heaven romans chapter 3 verse 21 says but now "...the righteousness of God, without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus." Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith, do we then make void The law through faith. God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Righteousness. The righteousness of God that He has given to us. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. That's an experience in the life of the one turned to God, being revived by God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Says, for he hath made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Something that we could never achieve on our own. No works could ever achieve that. But by faith, the righteousness of God is given to us. Our faith is counted as righteousness. Uh, to receive a, a reassurance in our lives when we are walking with the Lord. We always know Him, we always have Him, but what a glory it is to have that reassurance. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Only in Jesus Christ can these things merge and be in our lives. We get a picture of holiness and harmony in a revived life. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. There's a a harvest of blessing for the children of God in turning to the Lord to be revived. I'm afraid we settle for too casual, too comfortable in a bad sense of Christian living. And we all need to be revived. We continually need to be revived. What joy we experience when we are revived. You can walk away and you can go try to do some of the most exciting things in the world, but you know what will happen to us when we do that? we will miss that experience of joy. Nothing compares to the experience of the joy of the Lord in our lives. Righteousness goes before us when we're revived. God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven when His people are revived. It's a powerful thing to be revived by the Lord it's something that only He can do. When He does it in our lives, we can absolutely claim no credit for it. When it's the touch of heaven that revives us, all we have to do is desire it. All we have to do is say, Turn us, Lord. And He gives revival to His people. A scheduled meeting will not start this in our lives. It can't be started by man. But I'll say this, it can be started by one child of God. Sometimes He protects us from knowing who it is so that we wouldn't dare try to take the credit for it. There was a man who was a preacher in the Dallas area long time ago, W.A. Criswell. He was perhaps one of the most well-known pastors at... One time during his ministry, he had a long tenure in a Baptist church in Dallas, Texas. And his, his sermons, his everyday witnessing, the books God gave him the opportunity to write have, have been what God has used in so many ways for souls to be saved. God used His life for many souls to come to Christ. And in his biography, uh, author Billy Keith tells an interesting story about the man who led W.A. Criswell to the Lord. W.A., that's what they called him. He was ten years old. And, and just a, a simple, plain country preacher... John Hicks, came to his little country town and he preached. He preached for a, for a week or two there. And, and this little 10-year-old boy, just he looked at him in, in a way that maybe most other people didn't. But there was a connection there. And he just admired everything about him. They kept, they kept John Hicks in, in their home while he was there preaching. And W.A. asked if he could miss school one day and go to the morning service where Brother Hicks was preaching. And he he went during school. And if anything's okay to be out of school for, that 10-year-old boy walked that aisle and he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior during that time. He just drank in every word that Hicks spoke and years later when chriswell was, was a, a big time preacher if you will he he told that testimony to a friend of his named wallace bassett and wallace bassett sat and listened to that story that w a chriswell was telling him about a about a little old brother hicks who came to town to preach and he was saved And then went on to have the ministry that God gave him. And this fellow, Wallace Bassett, said, Can you please repeat that story to me? And he repeated the story. And Bassett said, I can't imagine that. Johnny Hicks was a dear friend of mine. He was here in the hospital in his last illness of which he died. And I went often to see Johnny. And one day... I sat beside him and he said to me, he said, Wallace, my life is over, my preaching days are done, and I have never done anything for Jesus. I've failed, Wallace, when, when lo and behold, here he was preaching, and, and that ten-year-old boy, he obviously never made the connection with who he was, but that ten-year-old boy who walked the aisle who was saved as a result of God working through His ministry, brought about all that God used W.A. Criswell for. Imagine the work of reviving that happened through His ministry, and this man had no idea that it happened in his life. Many times I have heard it said that reviving can begin with one soul. One soul on fire for God. Every individual out here. Someone here who thinks they've never done anything effective for Jesus Christ. Someone who believes they cannot do anything effective for Jesus Christ. It could be that one soul that is touched by your life. That reviving comes about. And, and God does a work in it all throughout this world. How important is our sensitivity to that desire? How important is that question, wilt thou revive us again? God's doing a work like that right now. And, and, and if anyone's not on board, please jump on board with it. Turn turn us, O Lord. It's that simple because it's what God wants to do in the lives of His children. He wants the very best for all of our lives. You may be in a very difficult situation right now. I don't know what it may be in your life, but as Brother George said, Go, we need to go to the Lord first with it. He has the answer. He has the plan. Let me tell you tonight that God is very busy in a great way at work in our lives in the midst of our difficulties. Hold on. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Because God, He is always working for our good. And there is nothing that is greater than God to overcome the good that He wants to do in our lives. Let us just simply keep looking to Him. Keep trusting Him. He has saved your soul. How shall He not with Him also freely give us All things. Look at Romans 8.32 and claim that and count that. Claim the promises of God in your life tonight. Maybe someone hasn't received the promise that, that God will save us if we call upon Him to save us from our sins. Is there another one here tonight who does not know the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? I heard a testimony today Another one. I've repeated someone else's before. Here's another one. Someone got so exhausted with trying to tell themselves in prayer to God that they're saved. And they found out that they weren't. It's something He freely gives as a gift to anyone who will call upon Him as a sinner that Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, died for your sins Go ahead and and say, He died for my sins because it's very personal. And He was buried and He arose. Jesus Christ resurrected and He defeated our death, our hell, and our grave. And anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, He will save them. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer now. and. Obey the Lord from your heart, the restlessness in your heart, whatever it may be. The burden that we need to give to Him. I appreciate the honesty of testimony of of going to advice first from people. Been there, done that, but will you give it to the Lord tonight? Let us bow. Father, we come before You tonight, and Lord, we thank You for forgiveness when we confess our sins to you and are, are broken over those things and agree with you, Lord. And, and, and it sure takes that temporary pleasure out of those things and, and turns us from it. And, and we're cleansed and you hear our prayer, Lord. And Lord, we thank you for a reviving in our lives. We pray that another might be revived tonight who may be out of fellowship with you. Maybe there's one who has a burden for another. And Lord, may God's people be praying for those who need, who need to be revived in their lives. Lord, maybe there's one here tonight that in the midst of your mighty saving among so many souls, their soul hasn't been saved. Lord, we pray that they would come to know you tonight as their very own personal Lord and Savior. Father God, with all your people praying, with your people gathered, Lord, do, do a work in us this evening. As a result of your word, have your way with our hearts right now. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.